0: grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get
1: started. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher, and I'm meeting up with Scott in front of a live audience for a bonus episode this week at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California. Let's get to our show live from the belly of the Silicon Valley beast. I love Dolly
2: Parton. We have breaking news. What? Uh, You probably read about this, but uh, it's it's been reported widely that uh, Russia is grooming a podcaster as an asset. (laughs) (laughs) I I was first. I tried out to be a useful idiot. No, it's half of that. So they said no. So they're grooming Kara as an asset, and she didn't qualify. (laughs) And so they came back and they said, we don't want an asset. We don't want a useful idiot. We want a dog! Hello, comrades! Oh, God. Hello, comrades! You literally... That's right, the hound loves his be vodka. You would the worst spy. The hound loves his vodka. Sit down, sit down. I'm just getting started. Down. Anyways, thank you.
1: Sit down!
2: Okay, sorry, back all to right. you.
1: Okay, first of all, your earphone is falling off right now. It looks redonkulous. Sorry, what did okay. you
2: do today, Kara? Back to you. Oh. Uh, I'm out over my skis right now. Help me, bring me back. Um,
1: You might want to enjoy my coat that I've got here.
2: Oh, Uh, you're rubbing into my face. So, Carol was. Yes, this is the swag
1: I got. I was on the season finale of Silicon Valley, uh, which just taped. It's my, uh, I have two appearances this season, and I've had two. You had none. Um, I had many lines. Uh, Dick Costlow was there with me. I can't reveal the plot, but we all got this lovely swag, and I sadly could not bring you one. Um, but I just wanted to make you feel jealous and I'm hoping it's working. How was that?
2: Where is the, the set is in Silicon Valley?
1: No, no, it's Hollywood. It's fake sets. Um, it's, uh, it was, I filmed, I filmed in lots of places. I filmed yeah. all over the place in Culver City. Today it was in San Francisco. They're doing, the plot is, I can't tell you what it is, but it's good. It's super funny. But you're,
2: just, you're in the last season or you're in the, se- you're in the I'm
1: series in this, finale? I'm in the series finale and another show during the last season. Wow. Yeah, it's going to awesome. be good. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's a great and what show, else and I hope did you to do see Uh I did television. I interviewed Ben Horowitz uh, of Andreessen Horowitz for the podcast. Uh, I did all kinds of things. I'm a busy lady.
2: You are. Yeah,
1: I do a lot of things. What did you, are, you do?
2: What did I do? I flew here and then like, tried to figure out the series of bad decisions that led me to a podcast where I spent time in planes
1: Okay. for right. 12 hours.
2: By the way, we'd like He's to thrilled announce... thrilled to be here, in other this words. Whole, but, this whole Pivot Live thing is a big hit, so we always like to announce our next location. Our next location, Trump National Doral. <laughs> because... <laughs> Let's be honest, that's the only place in the country where you could do a podcast. They have bungalows there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're we doing. We should do one there. Now, wait a minute. That's a brilliant idea, yeah. even though you didn't mean it in any way, in an intelligent way. No, I didn't. Um, we should do, like, <laughs> <laughs> what's Henry that? Emoluments? The fake emoluments? He doesn't like the Constitution now. That's fake news, the Constitution. Right. Um, we should do that there. That would, we want to go to Miami. Yeah. Isn't it in Miami?
2: Yeah, it's close to Miami, but it's like bad Miami.
1: Oh, okay. We should... That would be so good.
2: You think that'd be good?
1: I think it would be great. Yeah. I think we should do it. Anyway. Nine
2: karat gold and... Yes. Excellent. All right,
1: listen. We need to talk about the news. We have a lot. We're here at yeah. Stanford University. Yes. Thank you all for coming. Um, so both- first
2: off, how many people in this room have been rejected by Stanford University?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my brother who's in the audience got into this school, there he is, and he got into the medical school, and I did not get into the medical school, and I did not get into Stanford, and, you know, I've been a failure ever since. In any case, we're thrilled to be here and taking over Stanford University because they should have let us in. We would have been a great student here. Don't you think?
2: Students, you and me? Are, yes. Uh, we could have
1: dated. It could have been great. All right. Now, listen. So we're going to do question seats on your cards. Let me go through some things.
2: I'm having a stroke.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> we're going to do question seats on the cards, but I'm going to have you ask questions. Can you imagine what she
2: would do to me in a relationship? Oh, my God. Seriously. Yeah. That it's would never turn happen. me... Oh, wait. Never mind. Don't end my it's career. It's never, never going to
1: happen. It's <laughs> I mind. just had a baby, Scott. Not yeah, me. That's right. I keep getting, which is really interesting, people keep giving me uh, onesies. Um, So this one today was really good. It was from 23andMe. New to the gene pool. Isn't that cute? Cheryl Sandberg sent me a box of lean-in onesies, so (laughs) I'll be handing those out. Um, I don't need 53 onesies. She's really good about it. Um, I got them from a lot of people. It's really fun. Ben Horowitz gave me one that said seed investment on it, which... (laughs) Matt!
2: (laughs) That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Whatever. That's
1: good. In any case, Mark Mark Benioff is trying to send me an Adirondack chair, but anyway, um, I'm not sure why. Um, in any case, any uh, more
2: names you can drop in the next? No, few I'm just seconds? saying. I'm
1: just saying. Well, it's hard to have a baby and know a lot of billionaires. I'm just telling you, it's a difficult situation. That's rough. I know.
2: That's right. I know.
1: I'm just telling you. Anyway, we're yeah. here uh, to uh, to talk about a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. I want to start by talking about. Uh, it, Stanford itself. Like you, there's a business school here. It's, very, it's better than NYU's, right? Is that correct?
2: So Stanford Business School is solidly yeah. a top five business school. NYU right. is one of the 30 top 20 schools.
1: Okay, all right, good. Okay. So would you, would you want to get your MBA right now here at Stanford? Or uh, so
2: there's, Not that you'd get in again. Yeah, the, the graduate school environment in business is its own micro market, and it looks as if we've been waiting for this for a long time. But at some point, if you keep increasing your price is faster than inflation and there's no underlying increase in productivity or innovation. So if you walked into my class when I started 17 years ago and you walked into it now, um, there's some updates. But for the most part, it's the same rap. It's the same gig. And the jobs we're giving them are the same. The experience is mostly the same. But because academics, like anyone else, like to be paid well, and we have starched out the excess margin. So when I got out of Morgan Stanley, the only real job I ever had, out of a class of 80 analysts, we all went to business school. And I went undergrad, UCLA, graduate uh, school, Haas. uh, You know, Vision and generosity of the regions of UC and California taxpayers changed my life. My total tuition was seven grand for undergrad and grad. So it was a no-brainer. About 77 of the 80 analysts went back to business school. And when people call me, I probably do about, it feels like 100, so it's probably 50 conversations a year, should I go back to business school? It used to be 80... All right, 80
1: we're going to get the answer now. Go
2: ahead. That hurts my feelings. I know it does. I, I, went, to the I meant whole, it that way. I listened but to the whole ahead. baby swag thing. All right, listen to me. So about, 80, about 80% of the time, I would say yes. Now 20% of the time, I find it's flipped. I've said no because we have finally priced so no, ourselves no. Well,
1: you know out what? of the market. Not you for everybody.
2: This is who it's for. Business school is for the elite and the aimless. If you're, <laughs> if you're smart and you're hardworking and your parents are going to put you through, or you're really good and you can get a scholarship and you get into more than one school and you can play them off against each other, and you have absolutely no idea what you want to do with your life, which is probably two thirds of 26 and 27 year olds. There's nothing wrong with that. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I just knew I didn't want to do investment banking. I was escaping investment banking. Then business school is great refuge for the elite and the aimless, but the problem is when you add up tuition, it's now about three or $400,000, and we've priced ourselves out of the market. So Stanford's apps are down 7%. Yeah,
1: Stanford, Harvard, schools, MIT something big declines.
2: Down. And not only like that, again, more xenophobia, more anti-immigrant uh, mentality is really hurting us, because a lot of foreign students have said, you know what? I don't need to yep. go somewhere where they don't want me there. So we're getting less. Foreign applicants, for the first time, foreign schools are breaking into the top 20. It's this sort of perfect storm. And schools like the University of Illinois have actually shut their business school. So finally, the market has caught up to business school, and we're no longer All right, then. Belong. Well, so you business no, school
1: students, so glad you're here. Uh, so no, will you fix your ear thing? It's just
2: dry. Cry that. Is it not working?
1: Yeah, you know, it's just hanging off your face like I don't know what.
2: Like my. <laughs> you should, that's my nose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. No business school. Try the Okay. Um, we, uh, so no business school, we are, yeah, well, not
2: no, uh, there's some nuance here, but right. it, at the end of the day, if you're, if you, a couple of things, if you're doing well at work, you're on a good trajectory. If you have executive sponsorship, if you like what you're doing, everyone coming out of business school wants your job. Right. So it's really about where you are in life, and it's a nuanced decision. But if you don't get into a top-20 school, I would say the prices we're charging mean it's not worth going because we have a caste system. Unfortunately, the brand you come out of with school largely indicates your wealth over the course of your life. And what indicates which school you get to go to? Your parents' wealth. So in America, we've decided the people who get the spoils and get to be the innovators are, simply put, the children of wealthy people. Welcome to America.
1: All right, then. okay. Okay. Peter Thiel, Ooh, thank you so much
2: for that speech. Just got very comfortable. You're like a low
1: rent Peter Thiel. Anyway, um, Zuck's free speech. He's you on the were at I this. I was at this at Georgetown. Thing. So how right, did that so go let's down? Just say, Summarize. The, 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 the Facebook CEO is on a PR blitz when he's saying a lot, but actually not a lot, and I will go into that. This past week, he spoke at Georgetown University. I was there in, I don't know why, I was wandering around. I'm in D.C. quite a bit, because my kids are there. Um, and uh, he was talking about that, he was talking about the 2020 elections, um, and I went to the speech. So, and what did you think?
2: So summarize what he oh, said.
1: Oh, Mark Zuckerberg should have finished college, I thought, when I was a uh, Right? Yes, I did. That's what I thought. I thought this guy never took a course in his life, and I think that's actually factual. Um, I, I was really struck by how much the conversation was five years ago. Yeah. I was struck by how light it was intellectually.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I thought it was a weird, I'm going to be writing about this in the New York Times this week, I thought it was a weird binary choice between free speech or else for are China, like, yeah. which I thought was not complex in any yeah. way. Um, I thought it, it was meandering. Um, I think it was a weird, it, it, it just went from thing to thing and was it was like a mile wide and a foot deep. Yeah. Um, and so it was hard to follow. And so it's hard to criticize it because he said a lot, but it was like, a, I called it a word salad on Twitter. I started yeah. to like um, live tweet because I was getting angry about it. Because initially, a journalist came up to me from, uh, from the, I used to work for the Hoya and the journalist was from The Voice, which was the other newspaper there. Um, and he actually, he just I don't know why, I, look, I must have been like the oldest person in the room, but he was like, why are you here? And I go, I'm a tech journalist. And he All goes, right. what do you do? And I was like, you're a terrible reporter. <laughs> and, um, and I said, I'm Kara Swisher, I, I write about Facebook. And yeah. he goes, oh, you're the one who's mean to him. And I go, yes, that's me. And... Um, <laughs> And I said, I'm not mean to him. I'm critical, which is very different. And it, anyway, I was having a little journal session You like session him? I actually there. think
2: you're pretty kind to
1: him. I am kind to him. Uh, uh, he doesn't think so. So we. So anyway. So we, he started to talk. And what, what what happened with this journalist is students who came into Gaston Hall, which is a, was the is the main hall. There i had yeah. gone there many times. I went to Georgetown myself. Um, they were not allowed to, to ask questions after his speech about free speech. That was an issue I had. Um, that makes sense. I know. They yeah. were supposed that to fill sense. out questions before they went in, and so they couldn't respond to the speech. So they couldn't even ask questions about the speech about the free speech with their free speech. And so um, that was problematic. And then what they did is they, they grouped the questions, and some guy who just was a terrible interviewer and was rather soft was, was grouping the questions For him at the end, Um, and the the crowd was quite um, bored. Like I don't know how to put it. They were just it was so low energy. Um, The only time they laughed was when someone asked him a question about Ted Cruz doesn't like you, and AOC doesn't like, or Elizabeth Warren doesn't like you. Um, He and the whole thing about him having lunch with conservatives or dinner with Tucker Carlson, or whatever the hell he's doing. he said, "Well, everybody hates me," and everyone laughed. Everyone had a good laugh at that. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it was really uninspiring. And: it's, so been, I was, it's
2: been pretty panned. I did a word cloud on the speech, and, and the word together mm-hmm. He used the word together 14 times, and the quotes that stood out to me were he said, um, he said, "Well, I believe in giving people a voice. Voices. Voices, because at the end of the day, I guess I just believe in people." Right. Okay, which one of his 750 PR communications hacks wrote that line?
1: Well, I was sort of struck why he didn't have a more nuanced argument about things. And I was struck by the the voices thing is that more voices mean in the end it will be good. And I'm like, it's sort of like, I just saw the new Terminator movie, by the way. It's fantastic. Like, more AI that kills us is not good in the end. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Maybe it is, but it was sort of this weird argument that more voices, eventually it will be better. And I was sort of like well, eventually we could be in a lot of trouble if right. we don't clean this up. And so you end up being on the opposite side of him, which is about saying you don't want free speech. That's not what you want. I want a complex argument from the man in charge of the most important communications system and platform in the world, in, the, in world history. I want a more cogent argument from him. And if not, I want him to step aside yeah. and let other people do it. So, Thank you. That is my TED talk. Um, so anyway, it was disappointing and he's going to be on in d c again this week. he's going to talk in front of the um, um uh, the finance committee about yep. Libra, your favorite thing um, and then he is uh, he announced election security stuff today. They're not going to allow as much election security violations to go on allegedly and but they can let politicians lie so that was that was pretty much the situation
2: yeah the other quote that struck out to me was he said that. Giving people a platform to express their experiences and their beliefs is key to, has always been key to making societies more inclusive. Yeah. And I thought, so. has Facebook really made our society more inclusive? Yeah. Is that really what's going on here?
1: Yeah, I think he's got to think harder. I wish he would think harder. That's all. Yeah. I just really do. I gave him a good column this week about the content thing, because I want 40 other people to make decisions at Facebook besides him.
2: This is the the, advisory board. This is the Supreme Court, which I volunteered as tribute. Yes,
1: remember, I'm going to do that. Um, But I think it it was hard, because Bernice King, I think, whose daughter of Martin Luther King, he quoted Martin Luther King and she slapped him back last Sunday. Yeah, Um, And she was right to do so. She was right to do so, because she was talking about what her father was talking, he was interpreting what her father was talking about, and she I think should have the say on that. Um, and so I think that was hard. And then the rewriting of the history of Facebook that it started because of the... He
2: was concerned about Iraq.
1: Iraq, which was like...
2: Yeah, wasn't it hot or not, kind yeah, of? Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, there was a big delta there on that. So it, it was... Look, he's an earnest, and he's trying really hard. I think he should not speak anymore.
2: LAUGHTER yeah. That's your advice. Free
1: speech. But speaking of free speech, I would like you to comment on uh, U.S. companies such as Apple, Delta, Riot Games, Activision react and acquiesce to Chinese censorship laws, which Mark was talking about. Um, So he doesn't even have to try. The American companies are doing it for him. Um, The New York Times editorial board pushed back, of course. Over the weekend, the newspaper said, quote, American companies have an obligation to defend the freedom of expression even at the risk of angering China. Scott, you've led a business before. What do you think companies should do? they have an ethical responsibility to push back? um, Or what do they do in this situation? No matter what they do, they seem to get, they lose business or they lose whatever.
2: So whenever I land in the Bay Area, I don't spend a lot of time here. I lived here here until 2000. And I think a lot, it stirs a lot of emotions with me. So to get over this kind of emotional turmoil, I do the same thing, and that is I go to In-N-Out Burger as soon as I land. Mm -hmm.
1: Did you do that today? When I lived
2: here, I was thinking about this 19 years ago. I um, was running a company called Profit, which is a brand strategy firm. I was the co founder of a company, another company called Red Envelope. Uh, I was married. I had a rescue dog and I had a ponytail. I still still have a rescue dog. Yeah. And that's about it. Also, also, my address, and I have no reason to, I have no concerns about security 3476 21st Street, which, by the way, is the house next to Mark Zuckerberg. Can you imagine how much fun I would have being Mark Zuckerberg's neighbor? <laughs> Mark, come on over, let's watch the boys. We're making white Russians. Get it? Get it, Mark? And he'd have, you know, there'd be security, be like, eyes on the ball guy. <laughs> Eyes on the ball, guys. Literally, I had Pony the house. Your name I had the house ponytail. next to. It. What a great real estate investor! I sold it for 1.2 million and thought I'd made the trade of the century. Yeah. It's <laughs> got to be worth like 700 million dollars. I think you bought all the
1: houses around it, just so you know.
2: Yeah. Anyways. And by
1: the way, on that block, a lot of Facebook executives—they all live there. I'm nearby.
2: So I'm going to circle back to your question about China. Can you imagine in 1999 or 2000? and Most of you aren't old enough to remember this. Can you imagine China getting all? upset and indigestion over the tweet of a general manager of our sports team and all of corporate America backing down. Think about how much the leverage has changed and think about how our backbone has curved. And there's a simple answer here. And I think there's a gangster opportunity for other general managers of other sport leagues and other CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and Fortune 1000 companies across democracies. And that is everyone, and that is the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Los Angeles Lakers, the the athletic director of Stanford, the athletic director of Berkeley, the general manager and the coach of Manchester City, and then the CEOs of Apple, PepsiCo, Unilever, should all tweet at the same time, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Because when, 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 when Norma Rae, Sally, Sally Field's cinematic peak in my viewpoint, but when Norma Rae holds up a sign that says union alone, she gets thrown in jail. When we all stick together and decide, you know what? Freedom and support is something we all have a vested interest in. If all Fortune 500, all Fortune 500 CEOs tweeted the same damn thing right now, we have an opportunity to have I am, I am Spartacus moment right now. Mm. My name is Spartacus. You we know, all have that opportunity right now. You know what in that movie, because Spartacus. Right? <laughs> For all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're afraid of them. They, they have a lot to lose, too. There are 5,000 Nike employees in the U.S. There's 150,000 in China. There are more General Motors employees in China than there are in the U.S. So you want to you play like that? We play like that. Yeah. You have a big economy. We have an economy that's largely built on democracy and free speech. So where are the other general managers of sports teams? Where are the other Fortune 500 CEOs? It's very simple. If they all unionize and stand for freedom, which is pretty core to this whole experiment we call America, they won't be able to do anything.
1: Well, here's the thing. None of them are going to do that, Scott. That's a lovely vision of America. Yeah, and I enjoyed that it. Sally Fields movie quite a like bit. That? Um, no one here has look, seen that look, movie. Look, just pick one. Bob Iger. Uh, it's great. It's Norma Ray. It's, it's a great movie. Um, Bob Iger's not going to do that. He has, a, he has a park in Shanghai. Or he just right. opened one. Um, Nike's not going to do that. Apple's I think if they, they all did, they could.
2: What does the Business Roundtable do if they don't do something like the this? Business Roundtable. It's I think this is a huge opportunity. Come on. Let's start it here. Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. I am Spartacus. I'm going to tweet that. I hope everyone else tweets it. And I All hope, right. You know who would probably do it? I think Mark Benioff would do it.
1: Yeah, you and Mark Benioff would do it. Yep.
2: I love how you put us in this. Me and Mark Benioff. I like that. Yeah. Just, let's, yeah. And scene. Me and, and Mark scene. Benioff. Right.
1: But he, I'm not even so sure Mark Donioff would do it. Has he has he? He has not He does it a lot more than other CEOs. He's, he says more things than other CEOs. But I think it's hard. I think it's, it's, they've got the shareholders. They'll be down, they'll be on them. I think it's really difficult. Of course, it's horrible. And it's horrible when they were throwing, like Activision was throwing people off um, off different things because they were supporting Hong Kong. It's just, it's it's an insane situation. It's it's easy
2: to be a purist when you're not running a company. So if you're in the NBA, they've spent 30 years to build a $5 billion franchise and it almost came crashing down over one tweet. So you can, if you just take a step back, empathize with the difficult position the NBA is. I generally think there's a solution here. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. I think it's interesting because it sort of comes to mind is as, as Donald Trump um, attacking um, companies. It doesn't work anymore. It, it lost its, people stopped, they stopped caring about it. So I don't know, it would be nice if they did that. I would like, I'd like you to organize Spartacus. Spartacus. Yeah. Yes, it would be Union! Nice. Again, Spartacus uh, did die in that movie. Um, In any case, I think it's a great idea. But speaking of giant companies in certain areas, uh, Amazon has officially entered the healthcare space. Very quickly, because I want to get to predictions and questions from the audience, but... um, they launched Amazon Care, a virtual medical yeah. clinic for its employees only, which means they're testing it out. They're eating yep. their own dog food, as they say. It's a new benefit for employees. They also make it delicious dog food. It's a new benefit for employees that offer in-home nurses and telemedicine options. Healthcare yep. represents $3.5 trillion sector for Amazon. And by the way, AWS is supposed to be uh, uh, for employees only, and now it's one of Amazon's biggest sources of revenue. Anyway, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I, so big I, business we've for made, Amazon. We've made a couple of predictions around Amazon. The first prediction is by 2025, AWS will be the most valuable company in the world. And it'll be an independent company. There's no pure play way to, pure play, way to play the cloud right now. It'll be spun in the next two years prophylactically to stave up regulation. Fastest growing, most profitable part of technology. There's no, you have to crawl over a software company, blah, blah, blah. By 2030, the largest healthcare company in the world will be Amazon and this is all assuming no regulation, but if you think about what Amazon is really good at, they're really good at setting, sitting on top of complex data sets and saying, okay, this is an awesome business, batteries, <laughs> easy to produce, high margin, slap a brand on, no brand equity, huge margin. We own the interface with a bunch of consumers. This business, S- Swiss vacuum cleaners, is really difficult. They're, ex- they're hard and expensive to manufacture and require some IP and some actual skill, so we're gonna outsource it, drive a third of the traffic through our funnel and take between eight and 28% based on the series of services we offer them. The healthcare industry was meant for Amazon because one, Amazon has the cheap capital to go in and make an incredible splash right away. Two, they can sit on the data sets and go like, pediatrics is a terrible business. Very low margin, very difficult business. So they'll outsource that and your local pediatrician will just be on the Amazon health platform and they'll charge them a referral fee dermatology or diagnostics or home testing of your gut or your biome, great businesses, high margin, they will go into that business with Amazon Health. And then when you come home, at some point, Alexa will ask you, would you like to cut your healthcare costs in half? And they'll go into the insurance business. They're already in, they've bought a pharmacy company, they're becoming HIPAA compliant. This is the key to building an enormous business, the key to building an enormous business. In business school, they'll teach you it's about your execution, about your leadership, absolutely, that's 49% of it. The other 51% is how ripe for disruption is the business you're going into. So Tesla could execute like crazy. It's never gonna be that big a business in my viewpoint because yeah. it's competing against right. a, high, a low margin, dip, uh, tough business the next huge business do you think it's going to be climate change i think it's going to no, be no no i think it's
1: healthcare or climate change i think you're right amazon is absolutely perfectly positioned for this business yeah. in every way and it's right in his his uh, the stuff he's been doing quietly is is just clear clear that they're very interested in the space and it is, and it does they're very good at delivery they're very good at contacting people they're very good at logistics yeah. um you could see them rolling out clinics that work that actually work or it's coming to your home like it's a really but they don't even
2: need, think about how Many times, you just have your kid has a rash, yeah. right? Or I dropped something on my shin, and I wasn't sure whether to go to the doctor or not. And I'm like, hold the shin up to your Amazon show. And they say, okay, we're sending a prescription over. It'll be there within six hours, which they have the fulfillment infrastructure. Or we're going to refer you to someone in our network because you're a member of Amazon Insurance. Yeah, they are basically yeah, putting it's all a, it's the a pieces perfect, together. it's a perfect
1: business. It's also something you trust because you like, um, you know, you like, uh, you like the the way they deliver. You yep. let, you feel good about that experience. I think uh, whatever your issues around Amazon, I think most people feel really good about get the delivery, besides the boxes and everything else. I have to say. Um, my uh, girlfriend who just had the baby never used Amazon on principle like didn't want to use it and now is like hates herself because Amazon is working so well yep. it's like she's like I hate myself but God this is great you know it's a really weird thing and it's, it's a really interesting thing because it does work and so I think healthcare is the perfect thing and I think they'll, they'll get it right and it will be a, you know he, he might be the world's first trillionaire, because um, that's a really giant, uh, giant business, um, and it, it does play into his love of data and the and logistics and everything else. And I think the healthcare system is so profoundly broken yeah. on every level um, that you could. There's a lot of. Is there any other business business that could do this? Apple, Apple's sort of talked around the edges of this a lot. Um, is there any other business that could? I don't know. Netflix. I don't know. Like who would who would you just pick? I mean, no, don't be there. They deliver a lot of stuff. What, what, who, well, Google tried for a little bit. Remember, they yeah. had all the things. And then they so it was sort of veered off to the right for them. Is there any other company? I would think Apple would be the only other one that could. So
2: it's, it's a big topic of conversation, that is, which healthcare is literally 16 17% of our economy, the only sector that's larger is government. It is the mother of all disruption waiting to happen. It's the mother of all shareholder <laughs> or is. stakeholder value waiting to be created. And everybody knows that. So the question, and I had, I'm not going to name drop, but the most famous venture capitalist in history called me and said, which of the four is best position to do it? And so I which said, one? I want Who? The...
1: Who? Who's the most who?
2: I'm not going to say John Doerr. Okay, Anyways, all right, okay. So I said, I need a is to- John calling you? I know. Yeah, okay. The... okay, good. That's good. That's well, good. you're the only one that gets baby gifts to billionaires.
1: No, yes. <laughs> Anyways, I hope so... you don't get baby gifts right now, but go ahead.
2: So I said, give me a day, and I call back. Each of them has, if you think of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google, each of them has their own strengths and weaknesses into what will be the biggest value-creating private enterprise in the world, probably, will be a US healthcare disruptor. Let's start with the one that doesn't work, Facebook. No one's gonna tell Facebook they have an STD or diabetes.
1: Yeah. Right? No. So
2: they're out, Facebook's out. Nobody trusts out. Facebook because most people have common sense.
1: Okay.
2: The one that has the culture the, the probably the greatest concentration of IQ since NASA in the 60s, right, is probably Google. Google has this incredible culture and density of IQ, but so far their healthcare has been more moonshots. Let's cure yeah. death. Let's, it doesn't yeah. seem that practical. I, I think they're kind of a distant number third. The one that everyone's betting on that I actually think is number two is Apple, because the cleanliness of the brand, the trust of the brand, the fact that you have a wearable, tracking your blood pressure, your heart rate, they're collecting that data. You would feel, it, Apple would just be a one it kind of fits hand in glove, doesn't it? To think of them as a healthcare company a and wellness they already have A wellness company, yeah. A wellness company, that's a better way of putting it. The problem with Apple is it doesn't have the core asset we need right now or a company's gonna need Definitely. to go into healthcare. And that is this infrastructure and fulfillment network that, that Amazon has. But even more importantly than that, Amazon has the core asset globally, and that has a shareholder base that will tolerate zero-margin businesses. And Apple should probably acquire Tesla, but it never will, because that would take their margins down. Apple can't be in a, in a, a business right, like healthcare argument. and put okay. a couple children. trillion, right, so me... Amazon, Amazon first, Apple second. All
1: right. Okay. And, and, and perhaps like Aetna or someone like that, like one of those. Go
2: ones. in and buy one of those guys.
1: All right. Okay. All right. Excellent. We'll be right back after this quick break with more Pivot.
3: Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity V-A-N-29.com.
1: All right, everybody, back to Pivot Live in Palo Alto on the campus of Stanford University. We're going to do winners and losers now, and then we're going to get to questions from the audience, and we're going to do live questions because I I, I like what Mark did that. He had everyone write down questions. I don't want to do that. I want you guys to actually speak to us, and we can handle it. Um, So uh, we're (laughs) going to do that. We're going to have things come around. So very quickly, winners and losers, very quick. Winner?
2: Uh, my win is Anand, Anand guy, uh from um, the New York Times talks about the importance of class traders, that you have to have billionaires saying we need to tax, we need higher taxes, you need people of a cohort. I think we need a dean, talking, speaking at Stanford, I think we need a dean to abolish tenure. At some point, people are going to make the connection between tenure and debt on young people. I work with one of the finest faculties in the world. We award tenure to a person about the time we've decided they're no longer worth the money we're paying them. So I said, we will have to overpay them for the next 30 to 40 years. It drives education costs outrageously, and it means the young people can't start businesses, get married, or buy a house. At some point, we need a class trader among a dean at a world-class university that says to his buddies that he went to MIT with, or she went to MIT with, we're doing away with tenure, because let's be honest, it's just a tax on poor people. There was a class trader, and I think it's an important one that happened the last week. I think Mark Benioff is a class trader to the white boy fraternal order of, of tech CEOs when he came out against Facebook. And it's gonna cost him because people will cite things that it's hypocritical about Salesforce, et cetera. But for the CEO of the largest, arguably one of the largest cloud-based companies, to come out and say Facebook is smoking, it's tobacco, which I believe it is, I think that was a pretty courageous move because it's much easier for everyone just to be in their Teslas and go along, get along. So my winner is class trader Mark Benioff. All winner,
1: okay, quick fail.
2: Uh, The cowardice and poor vision of withdrawing from Syria.
1: Okay, good one, that's all that needs to be said though. Um, My winner?
2: That's your win, Kara.
1: Mick Mulvaney, because he provided me enormous entertainment this week. (laughs) Mick? Mick, Jesus, how long, how many TikTok is he going, is he going? Acting, he, acting, act, acting, acting, acting. He's literally on a Oh in my man, thread. God! I, I, the first time. Do you think forever. he sleeps
2: really well to begin with? Oh
1: my God, he looked like such a dope on. And Fox News, he looked bad. That's really hard. Um, actually, uh, Chris Wallace did a great job. trying saying Very you're good. you're lying, right? Because you just said, and they kept playing it. I just was like laughed and laughed the whole afternoon watching that. I just enjoyed yeah. that. So Mick Mulvaney gets my Nick, vote He's your
2: win, who's Mick. You? Who's Mick your, the Mick. Who's your fail?
1: Uh, my fail is the the homelessness issue uh, in San Francisco. It is, and yeah. um, not just San Francisco, all of California. Like we had, there was a story in the New York Times today about cruelty that people are having towards the homeless. It is understandable on all sides. That this has become, you know, Mark talked about Elizabeth Warren being the existential crisis of his life. Yeah, this is the existential crisis of California, and we really have to start really. There's so much money being shoved at this. There's so many. It's such a difficult, and again, a difficult Seriously and complex, complex yeah. issue, and we. It is not easily solvable. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people were writing me today because I tweeted the New York Times story, which I all recommend that you read. Um, the the the, the Getting to the cruelty is so inevitable. I, I last night I was walking in the mission and there was a tent city right there yeah. and there was drugs and everything and I, and I had to catch myself like yeah. I hated it. I hated this whole what they were doing to this beautiful city and at the same time I'm like why to find empathy is you it's, have to like kill it like it's really hard and i think i just yeah, it, it's a we've got to figure this out and and then uh, politicians like trump take advantage of it which is so awful but
2: to At your point every time, elected official when you ask them what the most complex problem is it's the majority of them stay homeless it's
1: got to be it's, it's very veteran difficult. affairs
2: it's mental illness it's poverty what? it's income inequality it's, it's it's
1: everything it's the rights
2: of taxpayers yeah. it's it is so complicated. Children, and You know what I would do if I, if I were putting, the key, I would say this, I go on Fox because I like to go behind enemy lines It's part of the resistance, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I, were, if I were running Fox television, which I think I could do, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would broadcast live from San Francisco because think of the wealth and the tax base that should be in San Francisco, and it's all progressive, very, very liberal people running the place. So if you think that CNN and MSNBC are right, then with all that money and all those outstanding progressive values, we should have the best city in the world. And it's literally a lesson in civic failure. Yeah. And again, so if I, if I, I were if Fox, could, I would just broadcast I live I don't know San if you Francisco can uh, completely, uh, completely
1: blame the politics. It's just like everyone's having trouble dealing with the problem. Like people put boulders in San Francisco on the streets. To, people won't... Camp there. I had someone who was in a chat Like people should not be living on the streets of this of any. why is it? I guess the
2: question we're not going to answer tonight. But uh, having having lived in San Francisco.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna to get to questions now from the audience, and the best questions are gonna get these hats that someone we made. We you predictions. We're, no, we're not doing predictions, we're having questions from the audience. Do you guys want to do predictions? Yes, no, in a minute. No, but we need to get them questions. I got some good predictions. We want to be, okay, fine, but we want the audience to talk, Scott. Gangster predictions. Anyway, make San Francisco great again. So, uh, So two best questions. I'm going to throw the hat at you. If you get mistaken for a MAGA person, I'm sorry. It's just the way it's going to have to be. Uh, I have one that says, I also have one that says, Make San Francisco gay again. Uh, I'm going to keep that one for myself. Um, anyway, so let me get some questions, and then you can okay. make a prediction at the okay. end. All right, questions from the audience. Let me look. Okay, how are we going to do this? We have someone, someone coming right up? Here. What, do we have a thing? Okay, let's go here. This woman right here. Can you stand, stand up and introduce stand yourself? Stand up. And she's going to hit to Mike, because we're taping this. And speak and short questions, or I will cut you off. No like questions. <laughs> Great. Hi, my name is Elise. Thank you so much for being here. Big fan. Um, we talked
0: about a couple of these topics today, and also in your past podcast, But I think the role that tech plays in um, policy, and especially international relations, is getting larger and larger, especially as tech companies scale. And so, where, how does like privately owned companies or publicly-owned companies, but, you know, U.S. companies, how do they navigate a shifting world order? Well, that's a good question.
1: What you you know what, about? that's,
2: I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to highlight the problem. Short and not...
1: answers, too. We want lots of people
2: It hurts my feelings when you rein me in like that.
1: You know that. what? I can't. You like it. You know what's awesome.
2: about to happen next week? Is every creative person, every design director in Venezuela is about to have their access to Adobe products shut off. So think about the kind of person that goes into design, graphic, creative. They're probably politically on our side and protesting against Maduro, but we've decided in our ham-handed cybersecurity-gone amateur hour to turn off access. Adobe is being forced by the Trump administration to to turn off access to all Venezuelans to Adobe products. So these people aren't going to be able to make a living. Imagine if all of a sudden we decided to weaponize Tesla and said, China, we're pissed off at you. We're turning off every Tesla in China. So there has to be, I think, a more thoughtful policy around where government begins and ends as it relates to, to private companies. But I feel for these creatives in Venezuela who are going to wake up on Monday and not have access to their files and have their livelihoods cut off because the Trump administration has decided, oh, that'll show them.
1: And also, uh, tech companies shouldn't be running foreign policy, although they have. But they, they certainly are. They're Zoom governing on, uh, all over the world governing is being done using the the tools. And that's really the big question, is how when you have a Duterte in the Philippines or you have, you know, dictators love them some internet. Um, And so the question is how do we make these tools so they're not being used as tools for propaganda? Uh, I think that's really the, and them thinking more carefully about the consequences um, and not just saying, we need more voices, like wh- which voices, which, you know what I mean? And I don't want them to choose, but I want them to think about their making of their tools. Would you like this hat? All right, here. Yeah. Whoa, oh sorry, just go get it. Sorry, I'm not a good throw. So okay, we didn't answer now, your now question. the next one has to be a really a good question. question. Right here, um, right there, you right there. Yeah, you. Well, wherever he brings this to you, come on. And we have the runners. Oh my can you God. stand
2: up and introduce yourself? Yes,
1: go ahead. Yes. Here, take this. You have to do this. You can't ask a question. Short question? Yes.
0: How's it going? Uh, Nick from San Francisco. Nick. I, I work in enterprise cloud software. Um, there was a great conversation about tech addiction and screen time earlier. Yeah. yeah. Mao is king when we talk about motivating people to engage with products more. What's an alternative economy that can promote moderation?
1: moderation in using screen edition this is one of scott's uh big uh, talking about moderation Uh, you know obviously they were talking about putting down your phone but it's really hard it's designed to be addictive they are designed you know anyone who has kids knows this they're 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 the pacifier of the modern age for everybody um and you know it's not that different i ride the subway a lot i don't use cars as much and so uh, i i used to read a book now i look at my phone, yeah. it's, it's not that different but the—but I think one of the issues is how they're designed and how they pull you in and I think the two key companies to me that are important here are Apple and Google and they certainly could do a lot more uh, to, to, to put the utilities up front and move everything just by files the way they, they present things um, obviously you know how to do the screen the change, the dark screen, you can try all kinds of things um, you know, you do it, um, I don't know if you've ever done this but um, if you do it it turns black and white, uh, which is totally unappetizing uh, as, a, as a thing. You don't want to play with it at all. Um, so you can do stuff like that, but it shouldn't be on you. It should not be on you. It should be very clear that someday this is going to be clear. These are addictive. They are. I <laughs> turned
2: on that thing on Apple that tells you how many minutes you spend on social media, but then I found I was getting a DOPA hit waiting for it, and I kept going back.
1: <laughs> so what is your solution?
2: My solution is these, is that no, all schools should ban all cell phones through junior high and high school. The only reason we give our kids phones is because we're worried about them being ostracized. Take that away, get more Norma Ray, no kids. Why should any kid under the age of 18 have a social media account? Are we gonna wake up one day and think, oh my God, are we screwed up not giving our 15 year olds Instagram accounts. We, there's so much here. I am wildly addicted. I, 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 do, I consume a crazy amount of alcohol, a less crazy amount of marijuana, but I don't have an addictive personality when it comes to substances. <laughs> now I'm a better version of me, drunk or high. And I like it, I enjoy it, it's enhanced my life. I am 100% addicted to Twitter. I, have, I can't wait to get on Twitter and see what you think of me after this. <laughs> and I, 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 98% of it is kind and nice, and it makes me feel really good, and 2% of it is awful, awful, and it enrages me and makes me coming back for more and more and more. <laughs> but the thing is, I recognize it, and I can modulate it. And I really worry that my 9- and 12-year-old boys can't modulate it. So there's some basic steps. As Nancy Reagan said, just say no. Under the age of 18, we need verified accounts. We need age-gating. Alcohol is tremendously damaging to society, just like social media. And guess what? We decided to get our shit together and not let people under the age of 21 engage in alcohol. And for the most part, unless you're in a fraternity over here, we do a pretty good job of that.
1: Because the group in the back that's doing the note to China they're also stopping screen addiction back there. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to do that. Not
2: going to do, do it. Not going okay. to do it. Not going to happen.
1: But I will to say I find my sons are, are pretty good. They're they they've been they use Snapchat almost exclusively, which is interesting. Yeah, Their Snapchat, which I less seems less addictive, although they are addicted to it. Um, I do worry more now that I have a girl about the, the Do you have a I'm
2: convinced everyone has a vice. I just Twitter. think it's in our Twitter. nature. Twitter. Th- okay. to have a vice. Twitter's Your vice is Twitter? Twitter.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. ours is Twitter. All right, let's do one in the back. The cane guy, the right there, cane guy. We'll try to answer as many of our, your questions as
2: possible. Please introduce yourself. Please introduce yeah. yourself. Um, my name is Sohil. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank so you. The New York Times is reporting uh, about 15 minutes ago that Justin Trudeau is slated to win in Canada,
1: okay. uh, win the election
2: in Canada. You've talked about him before. You've talked about the brown face incidents
1: before. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Should, does he deserve to win? Should he win? Should he have dropped out? Well... I thought that was a pretty bad situation for him, but that's the Canadians, it's a It's a voting, it's the way people want to vote. I do think he did um, as much as he could to say he was sorry. I, it, it can, it can, think about if this was Donald Trump in pictures. He'd be like putting them out as postcards, like, and stuff like that. And so I did think he did the correct thing, which was to apologize and talk about it. I, I was disturbed by it a lot because there was a lot of it, and it was quite uh, elaborate. Also, that was another thing, it was a surprise because that's not the way you thought of him. Um, but I do think at least the Canadians had a good discussion, I mean, had a good debate about this, and I think he's chastened and we'll see how it goes for him. I just, you know, obviously, I think it's appalling what he, what he did. Like, you know, I, I, it's such bad judgment. Um, and it was relatively recent. So, recent enough. Something we—it's
2: yeah. I, I, a difficult question to answer because I don't know what he was, who he was running against. So I don't know what the sins of the other person. It, I, it's a difficult. Are you Canadian? No. So I don't know much about. He was the Liberal, so I immediately side with the Liberal, and he's dreamy, so I like him. But yeah, you like his hair. He's oh, he's got gangster hair. I know he does. He's that guy. That guy's that guy's okay. a tall drink of All lemonade. Right. Okay. But you
1: miss Adam. as a so species,
2: much. as a species, and as a society, we haven't figured out. We haven't figured out the calibration around forgiveness in terms of timing, cadence, the calibration around appropriate punishments. Because now that everything all of a sudden is on our permanent record, we haven't our, our ability to forgive or not forgive in certain instances, our judgment around this hasn't caught up. Okay, let's go over here. Let's get a lady. I'm sorry, men. Where's
1: a lady? Pick a lady right there.
0: Hi, I'm Amy. Speaking of crazy misogynists, Hi. did you see the news about WeWork today? I was wondering what your opinions were about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what happened?
0: You know the
1: SoftBank one? What did they yeah, do? The Softbank the one. So- okay, explain what happened at WeWork. They,
0: SoftBank took over for $4 billion. They decided, no, they gave
1: them $4 billion to take yeah, over the company. Con- we are going to talk about it on Thursday, but do the quick and dirty.
2: <laughs> I'm just trying to link it to crazy misogynists
0: about the sex parties
2: and no. They had sex parties? Yes. (laughs) I am so going into a WeWork. (laughs) The dog's showing up. WeWork Palo Alto. Is there one nearby? How late are they open? Anyways. uh, Okay, so WeWork got a $5 billion convertible preferred from uh, SoftBank. SoftBank was, they claimed they went to 75 financial sources. SoftBank was the only one that was ever going to put money into this. And be clear, this is not an investment in WeWork. This is a $5 billion investment in saving face for Masayoshi San. Because on a risk adjusted basis, this company will never be worth more than 10 or 15 billion, so putting another $5 billion in good capital after bad. But he couldn't impair, he couldn't let Vision One go down in flames with his biggest investment. So the reason why they won and they were always going to win is no other sane investor was going to match the terms of SoftBank because SoftBank was getting something no one else would get, and that is face-saving. This was a $5 billion investment in saving face. It wasn't a $5 billion investment in WeWork.
1: And because you said sex parties, you get the hat. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, a couple more questions. We've got just a short amount of time right here. You, you, right there. Yes, I know you. You talked to me earlier. Hello. He came all the way from India, right? You just got Okay, go
2: ahead. Hi, Uh, Hi. my name is Ankur. So um, this is more of an, I want to get your opinion uh, rather than a question. So the way I see it, there are two
0: internets right now. One, the American internet, which is free, where uh, where there is free speech. And the second one is like the Chinese internet, where it is very, let's
3: say, if I sympathize with the Hong Kong protest, I get banned. So the way I feel it, there needs to be something in between. And I don't know what that should be. What is your opinion on that
1: yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. That is what I was talking about what I was talking about but we have to have a smarter way we talk about this incredible invention and this utility. It's a utility for society. and so the, just the way we put uh, unsafe at any speed happened with making cars safer we need we, just because you want to make this a safer and better place to me doesn't mean you're against free speech. It's having a very cogent discussion, having cogent guardrail regulations thinking really hard. This is the only industry on the planet that has no regulations of to speak of in this country. To speak of. I don't think there are any. They're just the ones that everyone else have to follow. Very few. And so there's nothing, it's not, again, it's not a binary choice. And tech people think in binary and reductive terms. And this is a really complicated issue. And if they don't want to, again, talk in a complicated fashion, I will lead the Supreme Court of content on Facebook, and I will show them how to do that, and I will bring in smart people to figure out um, a diverse set of people, too. And so there is room for a safe Internet, an Internet that where we can celebrate human connection and have all the voices be heard in, the, in, a, in a cogent way and not be... Um, Hostage to malevolent players who are seeking to divide us and create lies and hate and distortion. I just I don't know why this is so hard to be against. And I agree with you. A middle a middle way, right? The middle way. All right, I agree with you. You.
2: Uh, I will partner with you on the next internet as long as you have a CS degree from Berkeley or Stanford. Um, yeah. Do, have...
1: Did you did you you got into Berkeley, right? You got.
2: Yeah, they let me in. Okay. okay. Um, three things about the next internet that i think would make a much better internet no one under the age of 18. i think nothing good comes from the internet for anyone under the age of 18. Uh, two verified identities i think a lot of the unfortunate things that happen on the internet are because people are pretending to be people they aren't and they they lack the self-awareness to say if someone knows this is me would i really behave this way That
1: doesn't work in every country but go ahead i agree and there's
2: things around journalists who need anonymity and the third thing and this is the strange thing that no one gets the worst thing about the internet that's caused all the problems one word free the internet is nicotine it's addictive social media is addictive but it doesn't give you cancer what gives you cancer is advertising advertising is the tobacco of the internet because it creates algorithms that try to figure out a way for you to so you get more clicks and the only way they can do that is to enrage you and divide us advertising and free we have an FTC that goes after companies that price gouge and charge too much money. We need an FTC that bans all free things on the internet.
1: All right, excellent. Okay, one more question. Let me pick, I can't see. Oh God, you person who's running around pick. You pick, you pick, sir. All right, sorry everyone, you can all tweet at us. All right, right here, right here. Sorry, sorry.
0: Hi. Hi. uh, Hi, hello there. Avi, uh, very, very big fan. Thank you guys for being here. Um, You've talked a lot about on the podcast about the lack of new entries into the social space um, since, like, Snapchat in 2011. What would you say is a winning uh, positioning and investment strategy for a new player entering the social communication space? Avi has a new social network,
1: and I told him (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Here is the deal. I just actually interviewed Ben Horowitz, and he said the one thing I would not invest in is a social network. Um, or a search engine. Um, Social communications, specifically. In any case, none of that, none of that. You're not getting any money from Ben Horowitz. Um, And I think it was, uh, I think he was correct. And your last name is Horowitz, is that correct? He's still not giving you money. Um, I think think that, that there is no, and the reason he said, and he's saying, he said on the podcast, which will appear this next week, he, there's no way to get around the massive distribution systems these companies have. There's no they way to beat them. There's, they are they are in the way of everything, and this is why we're looking at breaking something them breaking them up. Yeah. And so he he literally was like, "There's no way I'm make, I'm putting money over here in cryptocurrency. I'm putting money over here in healthcare. I think fi, uh, financial technology is exciting. There's no dominant players." But that area, very few people are touching. And it's because there's no way around uh, Facebook. There's no way around it. And, yeah, the, the, and this is a guy whose partner's on the board of Facebook. Let's The just general pitch right.
2: you hear from every, I sit in a lot of VC meetings, uh, pitches to VC's funds. And the general pitch among almost every entrepreneur now is we don't compete with Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, but we make great acquisitions of Amazon, Facebook, and Google. So the entire economy is being run on this weird notion that we can't compete with these guys, but our most likely acquirer is one of these four guys, which when you think about it is a total oxymoron and has put us into a very weird position. And we're in the worst of both worlds right now. These companies aren't acquiring because they're worried about raising red flags around antitrust scrutiny, but at the same time, it's very difficult to get funding in computer hardware, search, social, mobile, the fastest growing parts of our economy. So we need the DOJ to set up shop on Sand Hill Road. They are here. All they're right.
1: here yes they are indeed here predictions Predi- oh go ahead quickly, quickly. okay
2: two predictions one's one's business and one's political all right okay so just as there's a core base for Trump that no matter what he does no matter how corrupt no matter how uh, uh, how bad he is for the country how embarrassing he is, there's a core base to Trump that always doubles, double down. He does have this fanatical base. No matter how corrupt Facebook is, no matter how much teen depression they create, no matter how bad they are for their economy, they have a very loyal base called the global advertising market. Facebook is reporting earnings on October 30th. I predicted when it was 159, it was gonna go over 200. It immediately dubbed to 129. It's back to 186 on the earnings next Wednesday. Facebook goes over 200. All the headline risk is all about how corrupt they are and how evil they are, and advertisers don't give a shit. The business has never been better. You're about to see Facebook blow away its earnings and go over 200 bucks a share in the next 30 days. Political prediction. We are an age of society, and we've been reminded that the three frontrunners in our democratic primary are over the age of 70. And what's hilarious is that we're pretending a 78-year-old man who just had a heart attack could be president. That's p- biology. He looked
1: good. He, looked bio- good. he looks fantastic. He looked good. He's an inspiration.
2: There's no way we're gonna put him up against Trump. Biology is politically incorrect. Between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, who looks like a befuddled old man and has been unable to respond to ridiculous attacks from Trump about this bullshit around Ukraine and, and, and his son, He's been totally ineffective, looks ridiculous, and flaccid. He has not been able to respond to stupid, ridiculous attacks. You're about to see 40 points of share in the Democratic primary leak to another candidate in the next two to four weeks, and it's going to go one of two places. It's either going to go to a new entrant, or it's going to go to Pete, Mayor Pete.
1: Oh, the wow. Democratic primary
2: huh. is about to get very, very interesting.
1: Wow! Do you know? Just, just that's a big one. I thought you were going a whole different way. So I'm going to read this last thing before we sign out. Mark Zuckerberg, master puppeteer, has been quietly recommending campaign tires to Pete Buttigieg, according to a Bloomberg article. At least two of those three recommendations were hired. For what? Hired. Mark Zuckerberg is his, his advisor. Advisor. There you go. So that's a big one. We'll see where that goes. Thank you all so much. If you want to hear us scrutinize over different powerful forces, shoot us an email at pivot at voxmedia.com. Next week we'll be talking about earnings. We'll be talking about WeWork, obviously sex parties, uh, and more. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Scott Galloway. Thank, thank you, Kara. Thank you, Stanford. Thank you very much. That's our bonus show. Thanks to Stanford University and to Hewlett Packard for hosting us. We'll be back in your feeds later this week with another Pivot. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sananes and Eric Johnson. Eric Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Rebecca Castro, Drew Burrows, and Nishat Kirwa. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, and if you like this week's episode, leave us a review. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media.